I want to take you to a mountain today. It's Mount Moriah. I'm going to take you to another mountain next week. That's Mount Tabar, the Mount of Transfiguration. Pastor Shower and I will take you to another mountain in some seven weeks. That is Mount Calvary. Genesis 22, one of the most powerful stories in the Bible. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, Abraham said, I'm here. God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Take him to Mount Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey. Two servants, his son Isaac, enough wood for the sacrifice. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And Isaac said, I have a question for you, father. Abraham said, yes, my son. He said, I carry the wood to Mount Moriah. You have the fire, Abraham. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide the lamb. And when they reached the place on Mount Moriah, Abraham built an altar. He arranged the wood. He placed his son on the wood and bound him to the altar. Then he reached out his hand to take Isaac's life. But the angel of the Lord, Jesus himself, I've told you before, ten times in the Old Testament, Jesus appears as an angel. This is one of the ten times. The angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, do not lay a hand on Isaac. Do not do anything to him. Now I, Jesus, now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld your only son. Abraham saw a ram and put him on the altar as an offering to God. Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is so named. And then the angel Lord said to Abraham, I swear by myself, this could not be Gabriel, it could not be Michael, no other angel would be so arrogant. The angel Lord Jesus said, I swear by myself, because you've done this and have not withheld your son, I will bless your descendants, and they shall be a blessing upon this earth. From him shall come salvation. Who is Jesus talking about himself? 2,100 years later, he will be born as the babe of Bethlehem. Abraham. Hebrews 11, you know it well, it is a hall of fame of those who in the Bible exhibited extraordinary faith. Who is the greatest of all time? Who is the goat? It's Abraham. Three times in Hebrews 11 he is mentioned. Everyone else is only mentioned one time. And the author to the book of Hebrews said, I should have a hundred more names, 200 more names in here, but I don't have time to write them all down. Abraham three times in Hebrews chapter 11. His life was always one of separation. From the very first moment when God came and said, Abraham, I want you to leave the city of Ur and the Chaldees, and I want you to follow me. 
Abraham did not argue with God. He did not say, are you kidding me? This land has been in our family for generation. It's worth a million dollars. He didn't argue with God the very first time God called him. Abraham followed the voice of God. He said, where are we going? And God said, doesn't matter where we're going. It matters that your faith is in me and I shall choose the place. And everywhere I take you, Abraham, you will be a pillar. You will be a foundation for Jehovah. And everyone will know that you worship me. His life was always one of separation. And the different places that God took him, in every place that God took him, you have idols being worshipped. You have other gods being worshipped. You have practices abhorrent to Jehovah that others are practicing. And there stands Abraham, and he says to his family, as he says to himself, We shall follow no other God save for Jehovah. It reminds me of Naomi in that small book of the Bible, Ruth. Four chapters in that book. Everyone is dying in Israel because of the famine. She goes to her husband Elimelech. She says, let's go to Moab. He said, we can't go to Moab. The idols of Moab are there. And Naomi says to him, are you kidding me, Elimelech? Are you saying that our God, Jehovah, cannot compete with the gods of Moab? Are you saying that, Elimelech? I'm saying to you that if we go there, we will bring Jehovah there, and we will worship him there. And as that witness of our worship to Jehovah, might it be, dear husband, that we will bring many to the faith, you remember the story, her boys marry Malon and Kilion. They marry two girls from Moab. What happens to the two girls? They become worshipers of Jehovah God. Can you bring God into the culture where you work? Can you bring God into the culture of the team that you're on? Can you bring God into your fraternity or sorority? You need but look at the Bible. The woman of Samaria going back into the village, 200 people come to the faith. You need but look at Jonah when he finally got to Nineveh, 120,000 come to the faith. Can you take God into the hospital? Can you take God into the union you belong to? Can you take God to the country club? Can you take God to LA Fitness? Can you stand for him? The Bible story is that's exactly what you can do. He said to you what he says to Abraham, I'm going to take you to places all over the world. And everywhere I take you, I want you to stand for me. And it might well be that if you stand for me, you are going to bring other people to know him as well. That's Abraham. The greatest trial of his life was not the culture or the gods around him. The greatest trial of his life was not the Hittites, Girgashites, or whoever else existed who were the enemies of his people. The greatest trial of his life here in Genesis 22, where God says to him, I want you to take your son, your only son, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Here's the irony. 
Four decades earlier, when the angels appear in Abraham's camp, and he thinks that they're regular human beings, and then he realizes they're angels. After a couple of days, they say to him, we got to go. He says, where are you going? They said, Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, well, my nephew lives there. What are you going to do in Sodom and Gomorrah? They said, we're going to destroy the city. There's so much evil in the city, we're going to destroy the city. And the Bible says Abraham goes off to pray, and then he comes back and he says to them, 50 righteous, spare the city, yeah, 40, 30, 20, 10. He debates and argues with God almost to an embarrassing extent, and he gets God's voice back to him, I will spare the city. Here's the irony. This is his son. And there is no evidence in Genesis 22 that he argued with God at all. There was no debate. There was no argument. There were no tears. There were no sweating drops of blood. When God said, do this, if there was an argument, it's not recorded. When God said, do this, He did it. You say blind faith. There's no such thing as blind faith. He did it. Why? Because for all those years, he had seen the hand of God over and over and over and over and over again. He was as certain of God as the air he breathed. I was blessed to teach in fifth grade this past week on Tuesday. Didn't get very far on the lesson plan. (laughs) Katrina, you got wall camp, okay? Because I asked the kids this question. I said, you guys are only 10, 11 years of age. Was there ever a time in your life that God performed some miracle and you knew it was God? I expected maybe one hand to go up. That's about all. It's like half the class raised their hand. And there went the lesson plan. Because one after another, I asked them, Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. And one story after another where these children said, that's what God did. That's what God did. They're only 10 years of age, and they already know that God has involved themselves in their life. And I said to them, you can never forget it. You have to write it down because 20 years from now or 40 years from now, when something is going on in your life, you can look back at the journal and you can say, God was with me then. He's with me now. Special moment listening to those fifth graders talk about the presence of God in their life. Abraham didn't argue with God. Why? Because he didn't have blind faith. He had absolute faith in the presence of God himself. Not blind faith. You and I, if we have faith and not blind faith, 
It's not because you've read stories in the Bible that don't pertain to you. What does the Red Sea opening have anything to do with you? It has everything to do with you if your faith is not blind and you believe in the same God that the Bible outlines. How many times has God opened the waters of the Red Sea in your own life? And if you remember all the times that God has been there, then a year from now or five or ten when something huge comes in the realm of some trial, you've got all of this substance that God has already placed in you. And not a blind faith. Two episodes this past week within 24 hours of each other. A young man, 29 years of age. And he said to his mother, I have have no faith at all. I'm glad you have a strong faith. I'm glad my sister has a strong faith. I am so angry at God. And she asked him why. When he was 13 or 14 years of age, one very, very close to him was his mentor, And at age 27, that young person died of cancer. And this 13-year-old boy could not understand why God would take this person off this earth who was so close to him. He said to his mom, I really can't have a conversation with God when I've been so angry for so long. I'm going to meet with him this week, Thursday night. And I'll look forward to the opportunity to talk with him. His anger might have led him away from God, but God has never lost sight of him. And then the next day, a phone call late in the afternoon Caitlin Navarro and her husband, Ray. The baby was due on March 1st. And the baby was kicking wildly on Friday. And then Saturday, not too much. Sunday, very little. And when they go to the hospital on Monday, the baby has not survived. As I went there that evening, 9.30 at night, I talked with Caitlin and Ray for quite some time, the parents that were there of Ray and Caitlin. And then I said, let me have a devotion with you. And then I said something I've never said before. I said, you'll not hear a single word of the devotion And you'll not hear my prayer because your grief is so strong. I've had so many people say, Pastor, I remember when you came, but I don't remember a word that you said. And that's what prompted that. I had the devotion with them and I had the prayer with them. And Caitlin said something that will stay with me forever, one of the most poignant moments in my ministry. After the devotion and prayer, she said, Pastor, I heard every word you said. 
and I heard every word of your prayer, I still believe. And that moment will stay with me forever. Hebrews chapter 11 is the roll call of the heroes of the faith. And in 46 years in the ministry, I've seen so many. Mike Butterfield, when his wife was ill with cancer, sending out one letter after another, praising God, giving all glory to God, getting strength for himself and giving it to others. Caitlin Navarro is on that list now. Her child does not survive, and she says, I still believe. That was Abraham. That was Ezekiel when his wife died. That was Moses when God said, you're not going to go into the promised land. That was Paul when he had the thorn in the flesh. That was David when he was chased by King Saul for a decade. That was Elijah when Jezebel wanted him dead. These stories in the Bible, they are testimonies of men and women who are put through some great trial and testing, and they maintain their character and they maintain their faith. What trial? What dream has been disrupted? I thought he was going to live for another 40 years. I thought I, he was going to take care of us in our old age. And we ended up taking care of him at a young age. What dream? I thought we would celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary. It didn't get very far at all. What dream? I knew I was going to play in college. I wonder if I was good enough for the pros. What dream? Abraham had the dream. God said, I'm going to stop it. And Abraham said, I still believe in you. Heavenly Father, we're gathered here. Another 1,200 are gathered listening online. By the end of two weeks, that's how many will have listened. May we, like the fifth graders, look back upon our life and count the number of miracles God has given us. And that same God then is the same God today. And we'll be the same God forever. Keep us close to you, Lord, in our Savior's name. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.